If you would, raise, above, raise your Bible above the head. Let's get our statement of faith done. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer and not just a hearer. And my life is the better after hearing, obeying, and applying a word from the Lord. Amen. Amen. A pastor called me and asked me to speak. He said, I want you to keep up the same vein that we've been in. I want you to talk about healthy habits. And I go, what? You want me to teach about how to be healthy in habits? I said, that's, that, that, that's kind of hypocritical of me, isn't it? Come up here and try and teach y'all about exercising and, 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 and push-ups. And, uh, look, I don't even run to the bathroom no more. Okay? But we started talking back and forth for a few minutes. And we came to um, a, a point. You know, there is something I can honestly teach you guys about. And that's about changing poor habits into good habits. Because, I don't know if you know it or not, I know most of you do, I've had some really bad habits in my life. And today, while I still have some, I've overcome a lot. So, my concept of healthy habits for our, our, our message today is going to be teaching about overcoming habits. But before we can do that, let's look at our first scripture today. It's Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and it says, I appeal to you, therefore, and it's out of the English Standard Version, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, that is the good, acceptable, and perfect. So Scripture tells us that we need to get rid of the unhealthy habits of this world and put on the healthy habits of God. This is one of the ways that we actually get closer to God. It's by, by becoming more habitual in His actions and less habitual in the world's actions that we grow that relationship between God. Because who, 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 who doesn't remember the verse that says, to love the world is to be at enmity with God? So, what is a habit? A habit is, a, uh, based on the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, a behavior pattern acquired by frequent repetition and psychological exposure that, itself is, uh, that shows itself in regularly or increased facility of performance. Y'all got all that? I mean, Dr. Greg S. McGee Sr. probably would have got it. Dr. Roger back there probably got it. But those of us that maybe don't have doctorate degrees, I needed a little better definition. So I went to uh, <laughs> this one. 
A habit is an action you frequently do and automatically in response to environment. It's something you frequently and automatically do in response to an environment. See, I can understand this. Most of us have one habit that is common almost to everybody, and that's when we drive to work. Almost everybody takes the same route every time to work. It becomes autopilot. I mean, there's been times when I've got up headed somewhere else and end up driving to work because I wasn't paying attention to what I was doing. You know, so, so this is a habit. It's not a bad habit. I mean, you watch some of the movies, it might be a bad habit if people are trying to chase after you and kill you and do all that. You want to do change that routine up. But, you know, most of us, it's no big deal. I have another habit. When I get in my car, I generally call my wife, my girlfriend. And I talk to her. Again, not a bad habit. That's just a habit. I hope it's a good habit. <laughs> so we then come to the, can the answer, what are good habits versus bad habits? Um, the, the slideshow that we have that's not on the screen <laughs> says that there's two types of habits. Good habits are behaviors that are beneficial to one's physical or mental health. A bad habit is an undesirable pattern. Common examples of bad ones are pat procrastination, fidgeting, overspending, nail-biting, uh, and, and it's these that we need to overcome. So we also have to understand that the things that this world says are good habits are not necessarily what Scripture says are good habits. Um, I'll give you one, uh, um, and I'm going to get in trouble with this just a little bit. And If, if, if you want to argue with me, I'll, I'll meet you after, afterwards. No violence, though. One of the ones that the world says that is drinking is good is drinking in moderation. I don't think as a Christian you should drink at all. Now, please, if you do, I'm not telling you going to hell, okay? That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying anything to you at all because it's not my job to do that. I'm just saying I believe it's wrong, okay? So, so, so don't sit there and get convicted and, and mad because Jeff says something. Wait till God talks to you about it, all right? But it says in Leviticus chapter 10, it says... Uh, the Lord spoke to Aaron saying, Drink no wine or strong drink. You are your sons when you go into the men tent of meeting, lest you die. And the tent of meeting is basically the presence of God. If you're a Christian, you're in the presence of God every moment of the day. So therefore, there's no time that you should be drinking. That's my opinion. Now, praise God. I bet if you look through the Old Testament, you're going to find things I do that you could throw rocks at me for. Okay, so please don't. I'm not throwing rocks at nobody, but I'm just saying I don't believe that. So sometimes we have to look not at what the world says, but what it, Scripture says. Scripture says to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, 
and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Ephesians 4, 22 and 24. In working on our habits, we have to work towards God's standards. We have to work towards His standards and not what the world's standards are. And see, here's the great thing. God starts us off taking away the bad habits and giving us good habits. But see, as you mature in Christ, He's going to take the good habits away and move you towards better habits. And then eventually, as you become a mature Christian, He's going to move you from better habits to the best habits. This is how we grow in Christ. We move. There are things that we did. Uh, <laughs> Pastor Ramsey was talking about when he first started preaching. <laughs> People coming to his church with uh, dust on their nose. And he said he didn't know no better. He just let them come in. Now, really, you should let people come in because how else are they going to hear the Word of God? But the fact is, what we recognize is we grow in Christ. We learn in Christ. We start doing better and better. God gives us this, then He takes that and gives us this, and then He takes that and gives us this. In my life, I've seen Him do it many a times. Um, he, he's, he's, first of all, take, took away... Uh, the, the people in my life that were dope addicts. Then he put into my life people that were not Christian people. Then he put into my life people that I could depend on. Then he put into my life a church family. So God will grow you and he'll want you to move up into the ranks as you grow in Christ. So, for example, if you gossip, he's going to teach you not to gossip. Then he's going to teach you to pray for the people you've been gossiping about. And then what's worse, then he's going to teach you to encourage those same people. Speak words of encouragement into them instead of the words of death we used to speak to them. And Wendy added this to my message. We have to recognize there's a secular worldview, there's a Christian worldview, but then there's a biblical worldview. Because we have to understand not all Christians follow the Bible. Not all Christians have a biblical worldview. So, we have to understand which one of the one, which of the habits that we have fall into a secular worldview. Which habits are the ones that the the the, the Christians believe? You know why there's twenty five thousand denominations? I was talking with a friend of mine the other day. We we were trying to name off just the Baptist denominations. You got Southern Baptist, you got Free Will Baptist, you got Missionary Baptist, you got Primitive Baptist, and there's about six other ones. Why are there so many? Because they have their own worldview. This is why so many, so many churches 
interpret what Scripture says through what their denomination believes. Instead of interpreting God's Word through His Word, we interpret it through what we believe to begin with. When you run into a contradictory statement in the Bible to what you believe, do you change your belief or do you change God's Word? Most people change God's Word. We find something else to explain. Well, that's not really what he said. He didn't mean that when he said it. So, we have bad habits, we have good habits, and then we also have habits that really just don't even understand. Uh, You know, it doesn't matter one way or the other. Um, Does calling my wife, is that a good habit or a bad habit? Okay, good. I'm not going to bring up that I was putting that into the middle, the category that didn't matter. Shh, keep that a secret. So, all right, can we get this slide up? This is a fairly important one. Maybe not. There we go. All right. All right, in this slide, we're seeing some uh, 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 basics of how a habit is created. Um, I don't necessarily like the word, but there's a word here that's used uh, that says craving there in the middle. Um, That doesn't necessarily have to be a bad craving or a good craving. Uh, um, It's just a craving. In this case, they're really talking about a negative type of habit, but it could be a good type of habit. That craving in the middle uh, um, may just be a desire to follow God better, okay? Um, that would be in creating a good habit. But, but we have this craving that we have that brings about a cue. Um, other places will call it triggers, okay? Um, the trigger happens which enacts a routine or an action, and then once the routine is kicked in, we receive a reward in whatever way that that, that, that action gives us the reward. Um, in, in using dope, you have a, a craving for, uh, um, say, acceptance or, or um, uh, um, forgiveness or whatever. And it triggers, the, that's the trigger, the cue. And you have to figure out when it gets triggered, which brings about the use which brings about the reward of not feeling anything, okay? So it all starts with the craving. Um, now, one of the great things is Romans one thirty two has predicted this throughout time. Though they know God's righteous degree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they do not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. So in my case, one of my major reasons for using drugs was to be accepted because uh, abandonment was my big issue. That was my big problem. I felt like people abandoned me and deserted me, so I wanted everybody to love me. So whenever I started feeling unloved, that triggered the drug use. But even more so, the fact is, this was an acceptable behavior in the crowd I ran with because that's what they were doing. 
And the great thing is, a lot of the sins that we enact, we enact because they enable us to be accepted in some sort of community. One of the greatest communities to be accepted in is the LGBTQ community. You go into any city, you can look for a certain symbol on a door or a building, and you can walk in there and they accept you just like your family because you know the community. You know what doesn't happen in the Christian church? I can go places in, in the world and walk into a church. They'll snub me. You walk into churches, they'll snub you. Certain churches accept only themselves. They don't want to have nothing to do with anybody else. Sinners are really accepting of those who, who are committing their sin. Christians who are supposed to love everyone don't accept people. They tend to be, matter of fact, the exact opposite. We're going to condemn them. We're going to chase them off. Now, I'm really happy. I, I don't see that activity in this church. It doesn't matter who walks through these doors. I watch, guys. I do. I watch. It doesn't matter who walks through this door. Somebody's talking to them. From the time they sit down or from the time they walk in and sit down to the time they leave. Somebody's greeting them, saying hey to them. I don't believe I've ever seen anybody not have three or four people talk to them during the time that they were here. Keep it up. It's by accepting people who are seeking that we're going to grow this church even more so. I don't know about pastor. I don't know about the rest of the leadership. I don't want folks that left Jim Bob's church right across the street coming here. Because they left there because they didn't want to hear what he had to say. So they're going to come here and they're going to leave here because they didn't want to hear what he said. Now, if any of y'all came here from another church, forget that. Just don't leave. You'll be fine. You leave, I'm going to talk about you. I'm going to gossip. No, I'm trying to change that. I'm changing that. We don't need church hoppers. We need people that are planted. So what we need to do to grow our church is accept the people walking in the street. All right, this next slide is going to be a fun one to look at because it's going to give us a little more definition on what that statement was. Y'all can read that, right? I couldn't either. <laughs> so we're going to go to the next statement. <laughs> uh, we're going to go to the next one, which is actually a little bit better. Still kind of small, but it's a little better. And basically, all they've done here is they've used a few different words from that first slide. Um, and, and instead of having a cue, we're having the trigger. Instead of having, uh, um, what was that? Instead of having the routine, we've got the action. 
So what happens is we have the, the trigger, and let me make that a little bigger on my screen. The trigger or the cue And this is, this is when you feel the urge to do whatever this habit is. Um, and and, and, and this, again, this could be a good habit. It could be a bad habit. But in most cases, we're referring to how to change a bad habit. So when you feel the urge to do it, you know, what are you doing? What are you feeling? Who are you with? What time is it? Where are you? You know, we always talk about people, places, and things and when we deal with recovery. Um, because sometimes you get around certain people, they act a certain way, so you end up acting a certain way to fit in with them. What's worse is sometimes you get around certain people and they push you into the little box that you've always felt fit into. And when you start trying to change, they resist that change and keep trying to push you back into that little box. And let me tell you, family is the worst one of those. Okay? Now, I'm not telling you to band your family. I'm just telling you, recognize that when you get around your family, they're going to try and keep you acting like the way you used to. Okay? And it's mainly because that's the way they're used to you acting. Okay? So we got people, places, and things. <laughs> you, you know, for the first couple of years, whenever I got out of Teen Challenge, you know where I didn't go? The dope man's house. If you're trying to quit dope, don't go down to the dope man's house. Okay? I, I'm, I'm just don't. <laughs> don't go in the neighborhood. If you live in the neighborhood, move. Live somewhere else. Well, I just can't afford to. Find a way to afford to. You ain't spending all your money on drugs. You can probably get a nice appointment, apartment. That's what I found out. <laughs> You get a lot of things if you ain't spending all your money on dope and booze and women. <laughs> and the things you do. Certain things we do create triggers. you got to change this stuff. Now, look, I'm going to go back to this statement. You can change people, places, and things and continue to be an addict. Continue in your old habits. Because until you get healing in your mind, you can't change. But the fact of the matter is, sometimes you do have to change people, places, and things. Some people you got to eliminate from your life. Some people you got to cut them out because they're not healthy for you to be with. Some places, same thing. Some things, same thing. You know, if you're trying to be healthy, you, you can't spend your day down at the um, ice cream shop down there. That's a good ice cream shop. That marble slab is awesome. I'm telling you. But I don't get to go there every day. It's bad. It's good. <laughs> but it's bad. So, we, we, rec we start to, first of all, to recognize the triggers. What are the triggers that cause us to do this habit? 
then when we start looking at the reward, uh, what is the reward? What is the, when we take an action, what is it that we're actually craving? See, in my case, in doing dope, it was acceptance. So what I had to do was, number one, find the healing for the reason I was feeling abandoned. But then the second thing is, I had then to replace the reward of acceptance by that community with the reward of acceptance from a different community. And in this case, it was, for me, it was the Christian community. But then we have to start off by taking the action. And what is the action? In my case, again, it was change the community that I was involved with. So we take the old trigger, put in a new action, and we get a good reward. So we're still achieving the reward. It's just done through a better way so we achieve a better reward. Does that make sense? All right, uh, John Canfield said, to change bad habits, we must study the habits of a successful role model. Pastor calls this being mentored, and he highly recommends it. I do too. You cannot grow without somebody to grow with you. Now, when you become a mature Christian, you may no longer have people above you in faith to mentor you. Does that mean you no longer need mentors? No. What you need at that point is people who have individual characteristics that are better than yours. And you go to that person. And you work with that person on the better characteristic. We have a pastor who does this so that he continues to grow. So that he can continue to pour out into us. Um, <laughs> when I was in Cape Girardeau, <laughs> I still got time. Okay. I thought it said 1030. I was thinking, I got a lot of time. When I was in Cape Girardeau, I don't know if I've told this story or not, but uh, um, when I was in Cape Girardeau, I, any, any, I don't, y'all don't recognize, I used to have a bad anger problem, right? Y'all don't know nothing about that, right? Y'all got quiet on me. <laughs> Why did it get so quiet? Um, but anyway, I, I, I've, I've worked for a long time to overcome anger issues and anger problems, um, Wendy met me whenever I was getting a lot better than I used to be, but there were times when I had really serious anger problems. Um, and um, we were doing uh, um, work in an apple orchard in Cape Girardeau. And uh, um, one fella, he, uh, he liked irritating people. And that particular day, he picked me to be the one to be to irritate. And uh, he come up, and uh, I, I'm walking down the edge of the trees trying to dump the apples I had in my bag out. And he come walking down the other way, and 
he was in the middle of the aisle, and I was up against the trees. And as he got closer, he got closer in, into the tree. And uh, by the time he got to me, he was about to push me into the trees. And then he said something smart alecky to me. And I grabbed him by the shirt, <laughs> and I tossed him. That was before I was an elder. <laughs> y'all act like y'all ain't never done nothing wrong. Let me, let me get the video out of what y'all been doing. <laughs> I got the video from 20 years ago on y'all too, okay? <laughs> no, I don't. Um, but anyway, uh, um, and, and he's, he's a fairly big young man. Um, and and I, I'm not going to say I, I was pretty strong back in them days, but I'll be honest with you. Um, Either I was a lot stronger, a lot madder, or he was a lot more of an actor. Because <laughs> he flew about six feet across to the other side of the, um, the, other, the other row of trees. And I'm sitting here going, man, I must be real strong. I, I think it was him. I think he was trying to make it a bigger thing than it really was. Um, and, and mainly because, you know, when you lay your hands on another student, that's, a, that's an offense to be dismissed for. Um, needless to say, I did not get dismissed. Um, I got called to the office, and he talked. Uh, the, the, the senior official there asked me what happened, and I explained to him exactly what happened. And uh, um, he said, okay, you can go. And that was the last I heard of it. Um, The young man, unfortunately, had apparently created some other problems for some other people, and he had worse consequences um, than that. Um, but the story continues in the fact that w the next morning, you know, I'm struggling with an anger issue now. I'm trying to figure out how do I overcome this problem. And the next morning, Brother Jack was up there. He was one leading the detail. And this one 17-year-old kid, um, he was doing something about as stupid as the rock. Funny, funny as it could be, but stupid. So Brother Jack called him up in front of everybody, dressed him down, lit him up. You, 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 you know, you, the anger, the fire in his eyes, yelling at this kid. And I'm, I'm standing at a side angle so I can see, I can basically see his side. And he dismissed the kid, and he turns around, and he laughed. Because what the kid was doing was funny. But it was wrong, so he needed to be dressed down. And I thought right then, I says, that was him using anger as a tool. I need to learn that. I don't need anger to control me. I need to control anger. So I made an appointment with him, and I went and sat down with him several times, and he showed me ways to overcome anger. Now anger rarely controls me. I control it. So it's important to have mentors, people to help you in your areas of weakness, So we come 
to the point where the truth is you don't break a bad habit, you just replace it with a good one. You can only leave your old patterns of behavior by replacing them with new patterns of behavior. I couldn't stop drugs. I couldn't control them. You know, you negotiate with it, right? I'm only going to do it on the weekends. That doesn't work. Weekends become every day. Fridays become the whole weekend. Weekends become the whole week. So what I had to do is I had to perform a new habit. And after a while, I don't need the old behavior. But I want to stress, an addiction is worse than a habit. A habit can become an addiction, but the addiction is worse. The addiction requires spiritual healing of an emotional state. It needs Christ to come into you and perform surgery to heal you of whatever illness or, or emotional pain that you have. Only then can you break the habit. Without the healing, the habit doesn't work, or you can't replace the habit. So you got to have the habit. It starts with Christ. All right, so to, to change bad habits, we must study the habits of successful role models. Um, I'm sorry, we already did that one. <laughs> so here's the way to do it. Number one, create a goal. And can I tell you something? People make goals way too hard. Goals should be achievable. You know, it's got to be achievable or it's really not worthwhile. If you set it too high and you can never reach it, what, hap what happens when you don't reach it? You give up. But what if you set it too low? Nothing. Reset it a little higher, that's all. <laughs> if you make it to this level and you got that goal set, just move it up a little bit, right? But we always set them too high. I don't want to set it too low. Then I can't achieve. Then, then it's too easy. All right, well, let it be easy. Some of us need a few wins, right? I mean, we've been trying to beat stuff for a long time in our lives, and it's hard. So let's get some small wins in before we start trying to hit the big numbers, okay? <laughs> you got to get it between the goalposts before you can start trying to hit it from 60 yards out, right? So let's start by getting it there. But here's the thing. Don't just set a plan. Or don't set, just set a goal. Make a plan to achieve that goal. Pastor told us last week to write it out, right? Because if you don't set a goal and you don't make a plan to achieve that goal, you're not going to make it. It's a, it's a well-said statement, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So if you're looking for a way to get out of making your goal, just don't make a plan. You'd be amazed at how many of the guys at Mercy House, how many of the guys in jail that I talk to, and I ask them the statement, what's your plan when you get out? Oh, I'm going to get a job. Yeah, really? Where? Most of them don't know. Where are you going to live? Oh, I don't know. You, you, you need to have these plans in place before you get to the point you need to have them. 
And then number three, people forget this part. Set a starting point. Where are you going to start at? You can't get to where you're going if you don't know where you're starting from. GPS mapping only works if you have a destination point and origination point. You got to have both. Number four, be accountable. Be accountable. Be accountable. I can't tell you how much accountability matters. And it's easy, especially if you're a mature Christian, to say, I, I, I got enough accountability. Do you? Do you really? Normally when you say that, that means you don't have any. Now, if you got it and you're saying, I got enough, that's great. Okay, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about those who say we got accountability, but we really don't. We got somebody that we speak to once a month. And then when they do ask us the hard questions, we lie about it. I got a new accountability group in my life that we just started. And it is so easy when somebody calls and says, hey, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Lying through my teeth. Because how do they know? They're on the other end of a phone. As long as I act cheery, how are they going to know that inside my heart's breaking? And that's the way most of us take accountability. Most of us, whenever we actually put some accountability in place, we don't use it properly. We don't reach out when we really are struggling. We don't call. Uh, um, if you're in AA and you got a sponsor that you don't call, you know what they do? They drop you. They're not going to have you dealing with this and then not working with them and call them your, their, their, let them, you call them their, your sponsor. So if you got accountability, use it. That's what it's there for. And, and look, if you can't trust and depend on them, find different accountability partners. And look, just because you had an accountability partner last year, maybe this year you need to move to something else. It may not always be the same accountability group. It may grow and change. But you need to have people in your life that you are wholly accountable to. And look, don't be accountable this much to this one, this much to that one, and this much to the other one. You got to be accountable in whole to all. Okay? And then finally, don't give up. You want me to tell you something? Change is hard. Real change is real hard. And it gets easy to give up. I mean, it gets so easy to just quit fall back into our old ways. But we can't give up. Galatians 6 and 9 says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in a due season we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. 
It's hard to grow that corn, especially in some of the ground that we've cultivated. I mean, when I first started growing corn, that ground was hard, dry, not much nutrition in it at all. First fruit I got up was about that big. (laughs) But you work that soil. You turn that soil. You feed in fertilizer. And eventually, the harvest becomes plentiful. So on this particular slide, we have a, um, a great example of how people learn new habits. And we start off here at the bottom. And i got to get it big enough so I can see on my screen. All right, we start off, in, we, we first become aware of the need to change. You know you can't change something if you don't recognize that there's a need for it, right? This is why it's so important for us to li- read Scripture, to listen to sermons, because this is where we get the understandings of what it is that we need to start working on. Okay? Um, this is where we find the things in our lives that we do need to change. I, I, I mean, some of us, like in my case, we have wonderful people in our life that tell us the things that we need to change. And I'm not mentioning no little red-headed girls. They help us understand change that we need to have. So what happens is we become frustrated because we become aware of a situation that we need to change. Then we become optimistic because we start learning new skills and new coping mechanisms and new perspectives But then what happens is we didn't use the skill we should have, so we become disappointed again. We we recognize that while happening, but we're too bothered by the situation that we're in to try the new skill, so again, we're fearful. But afterwards, we start, we notice that afterwards we should have used the skill more effectively, so we start saying we become hopeful. But then... While it's happening and we try the new skill, it doesn't work very well, so we become discouraged again. Then it happens that while it is happening, we practice the new skill and it works, so we become successful. And then we sustain the change under unstressful circumstances. Then we sustain the change under stressful circumstances. And then the new behavior is imprinted on us. Philippians says, Philippians 4.8 says that whatsoever things are true, whatsoever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there are any excellence... These are the things that we should think about. So we recognize that bad habits are easier to abandon today than tomorrow. You know when you should start getting rid of your bad habit? Today. Today. Make your plan today. So engaging in good habits 90% of the time while indulging in bad habits 10% of the time, 
places you at risk of being like a hamster running in a wheel. What kind of characteristics, what kind of character do you have if you do right 90% of the time? Jesus didn't do right 90% of the time, did he? Didn't he call us to be like him? So we should be striving towards the 100%. Now, I'm not there, guys, so, so I don't want to stand up here and say, well, I've made it, y'all can I, I don't want to do that. I, I want you to understand, I'm still striving to make that 100% number, too. There's still things in my life that I'm trying to grow away from, habits I'm trying to give up. I've got a lot of them done. I've moved ahead in a lot of situations. But I still got some work to do. But he who began a good work, right? All right, so we've identified examples of healthy and unhealthy habit. We've described how our healthy habits can affect our bodies in positive and negative ways. Um, so why is it difficult to stop unhealthy habits and start healthy ones? Well, <laughs> Newton's first law of motion. Y'all didn't know this was going to be a physics class, did you? Newton's first law of motion says sometimes, which is sometimes referred to as the law of inertia, states that an object at rest stays at rest, and an object in motion stays in motion with the same speed and in the same direction unless acted upon by an unbalanced force. This, of course, applies to the actual physical things and phenomena like throwing a ball, riding a bike, gravity, etc. But it also very much so applies to the, our mind state and how we move through life. Maxwell Maltz, in 1960, wrote a book called Psycho-Cybernetics. And in it, he made this statement. He said, These and many other commonly observed phenomena tend to show that it requires a minimum of about 21 days for an old mental image to dissolve into a new gel. Men like Zig Ziglar and, and other uh, um, self-help gurus started making the statement instead of the way he said it, a minimum, started making the statement that it takes 21 days to break a bad habit. That's bad information. Most of us have learned that all our lives, that it takes 21 days to break a bad habit. So after 21 days and we haven't changed it, we've given up. But Philippa Lally, who is a health psychology researcher at University College in London, in a 2009 study wrote, on average, it takes more than two months before a new behavior pattern becomes automatic. 66 days to be exact. And how long it takes a new habit to form can vary widely depending on the behavior, the person, and the circumstances. In Lally's study, it took anywhere from 18 days to 254 days for people to form a new habit. Almost a whole year in some cases. 
That's why Teen Challenge is 14 months. Sometimes it takes more than 21 days to break a habit. So if you ain't broke yours, don't give up. It's hard. The deeper they are, the longer you've been doing them, the harder it is for them to break. And finally, Aristotle made the statement, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. I love that statement. I want, in my life, excellence to become a habit. I can't say it always has been. I can't say it is today, but I want it to become. So, Pastor is teaching us healthy habits. But the thing is, we can't make healthy habits until we start breaking the old habits. So we recognize the unhealthy things in our lives that we are doing, and we replace them with the healthy things that we're doing. And recognize, it's going to take more than 21 days. It's going to take longer than that. In some cases, over a year. How long has your bad habits been there? So, the question comes, are you wanting to change? Have you recognized a habit in this class today that you need to change? Do you want to change? Are you perfectly satisfied with what you're doing? Because I tell you what, I'm going to go back to it. It takes Jesus Christ to make the change. It takes him working through us to make changes. Well, there's a lot of healthy people out there that don't follow Jesus. Yeah, but you do. Scripture says, I can do how many things through Christ? And it says, in all things through prayer and thanksgiving. So we're, as Christians, supposed to turn everything to God. So the first place it should start is with God. Maybe the first prayer we should make is, God, what is it that I need to change? What habits are keeping me from being what you want me to be? Maybe you don't need to go to the gym 12 times a day. But maybe there's something that God wants you to do. Maybe there's something that God has in mind that he needs you to accomplish and you can't accomplish because of the physical state of health that you're in now. There are things I can no longer do because I had open heart surgery. There's things that I can no longer accomplish because my heart no longer works the way that it's supposed to work. And that's my fault. That's because I took poor care of it for so many years. 
but there are things that he has kept me, and I know he's kept me because I'm still standing in front of you. I have had many opportunities to go home over the past years, and God has chosen to keep me on this earth. So he still has work for me to do. You're still here. He obviously has something for you to do. We can't go home, not till we accomplish what he asks us to accomplish. We can't go home. I want to go home. But God wants me here with you. Paul said, brother, I'd, I'd rather go home. But it's expedient that I stay here for you. So in our prayers, let's just take a moment. Let's just take a moment and pray for God to reveal what His will for us is in this situation. Throughout this sermon series, what is it that God is asking us to accomplish? Because what He wants for me may not be what He wants for you, and I can't dictate to you that. But I know a God who can. The only question is, do we listen to Him? Because first of all, He must be our Lord. If He's not our Lord, we don't listen to Him. If He is our Lord, we do what He says. And by Him being our Lord, then we do follow His instructions. So just take a moment, one moment right now. Bow your heads. Reach out to God. Ask God what He wants you to see. I don't want you what I don't want you to get what Jeff wants. I don't want you to get what Jeff has for you. More importantly than anything, I want you to hear what God has. first step in any obedience is the acceptance of Christ. So my question always, is there someone that needs to accept Christ as their Savior? Do you need Him in your life? Have you been, been backsliding and just need to make a new dedication to Him? And then finally, did you hear what he wanted you to hear? Did you hear the habit that he's asking you to give up? Then you're going to need him to help you to do so. So I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to pray for you.
And I'm going to ask that you pray in your own way as well. Father, it's been such an exciting time for me this morning. I'm sorry for the times that I failed you. I pray, Lord, that you would give me strength and power and encouragement to overcome my bad habits and replace them with the habits that you have, Father. And I pray, Father, for the members of this church and the people listening online. I pray, Father, that you would hold their hands, physically hold their hands, lead them to the people that should be in their life to help them accomplish your goals. Help them to, to see the, the harmful habits that they have, even the good habits that they have that you want to replace with the best habits, Father. And Lord, I pray that you would reach into their minds and heal the hurts and the pains that have caused the, these things to pop up, these hurts and these habits. Heal them, Father. And I praise you in the name of Jesus Christ that I know you will do so if we but ask. So it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.